Good morning. Welcome to Life Bridge Online. Whenever it is that you're watching this, we are grateful that once again you are allowing us to come into your homes, into your life, and still continue to hopefully minister to you and your family uh, through our online presence. As always, we miss you. Uh, we can't wait till we can be reunited under one roof, worshiping God, celebrating what God is doing. Uh, but in the meantime, we want you to know that we continue to pray for all of our families who are keeping it safe, staying home, uh, and we, again, can't wait until you are back with us. I do want to let you know that our Love Others Well campaign, uh, the box of the care packages that we are collecting for our troops, we're going to run that through November 15th. So if you desire to be a part of this, you can reach out to the office or check your emails if you're a LifeBridge member, and you'll see uh, what these men who are serving right now in our armed forces, what they, what they want. And we just want to encourage them. We want to send them some love in the mail. Let them know that we're thinking of them. Uh, as November is uh, Veterans Day, we want to just keep them on our thoughts in our prayers this month. Uh, we're now in week four of our study on the letter that James wrote to persecuted Christians who, because of persecution, are now being scattered. Uh, these are people who are enemies of the cross and uh, enemies both political and religious. And, the, and because of the persecution that is taking place, these Christians have had to scatter. They've had to flee their homes for their life. This letter, if you read James as he's writing it to these Christians, has a few reoccurring themes that, that build on one another. Faith that lasts. He talks about perseverance right out of the gate. And he talks about our struggles, that whenever we face trials, that we should consider it joy because it is developing us, uh, that we're going to be complete. There's godly wisdom. Godly wisdom flows throughout uh, the book of James and, and, and separates what's this earthly wisdom versus wisdom that we should be striving to, to live our lives by. Uh, there's humility. And, and th those are just a few of the themes that, that keep coming up. Last week, we hit on a verse that James phrases with two questions. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? And that's James chapter 4. And he, he writes those two questions. In the second question, James alludes to the pride that is within us that leads to fighting and arguments. In chapter 4, pride is something that without calling it pride, James brings up a couple of times and that is certainly true for our text today. Pride, if you try to wrap your mind around it, can take many forms. Um, the biblical definition of pride is to be puffed up or to be puffed out. It is certainly thinking of our abilities or our achievements greater than they are. There's a fine line in being confident uh, in what we are capable of and pride. Uh, you could certainly be the best at something without being prideful. I think of two, two basketball players come to mind. 
both NBA greats. You had Michael Jordan, who definitely is considered to be the, the best basketball player. That's right, I said it. I said it here. Michael Jordan is the best all-time basketball player. You, you have him. He was super confident in his abilities, and he was, was going to let you know how confident and how good he was. And he was going to let you know that when he got on the court that he was going to, to dominate you. And his pride was ever-present. And then you have this other basketball player who, who was, in my book, uh, one of the, the top basketball players of all time in Tim Duncan. He's just an all-around good dude. He, he, his game spoke for itself. He won multiple championships. He, he, he scored thousands upon thousands of points, and he was just a team player. And he was just one of these guys that he could dominate you, and he didn't have to brag about it. He didn't have to tell you how good he was. And so there's this fine line of confidence in what we're capable of and then pride. Confidence uh, in one's abilities or accomplishments isn't wrong. Confidence is a good thing. We try to instill confidence into our children. Um, and those of you that know our children know that, hey, we don't have to work very hard at that. But confidence in one's abilities or accomplishments isn't wrong when it's mixed with humility. Another variation of pride is when we, followers of Jesus, and I'm talking to Christians as James is writing this book to all people, but specifically to Christians, when we make plans without God, or we simply leave God out of the day-to-day -day issues of life. That's also pride. As, as people who are to come under his authority, to submit to him, to die to self, when we go through life day to day and we completely leave God out of the plans, that's prideful. And you can relate to this, I'm sure, if you have children, you can relate to this with your children. They, they will make plans, especially if you have teenage children, they will make plans to do things without seeking out what mom and dad are doing or think anything about those said plans. Uh, Thursday night, our family had a few things going on, and Amanda informed me that, hey, our kitchen sink was stopped up and stopping to get some Drano. And so we were going just different places, and, and we all kind of arrived back at our house around 7.30. Um, Stella and I had already eaten because we'd been out, and so I picked up Chick-fil-A for Amanda and Griff, and so they're over there sitting at the table. Man, they're catching up on the day's events, and they're, they're talking, and, and I'm, I'm over here doing my thing. And then I, I hear this. Joseph said, just take $5 and throw it out the window. Now, now Joseph is a friend of the family. Uh, it, he's a football dad who knows Griffin, and so this, this caught my attention because I, I know who Griffin is speaking of. And now we're just saying, hey, that's the advice given to you is to just wad up $5 and throw it out the window. So I, I, I need an explanation. I need to know, hey, what, what, stirred this, uh, what spurred this conversation on? To which this explanation came from Griff. Yeah, hey, uh, Tucker Garrett and I are going to Tennessee next weekend to buy some lottery tickets and play some golf. Uh, you see, November 8th, uh, whenever you're listening to this, that's uh, Griffin's 18th birthday, and uh, you can buy lottery tickets legally. 
And so G kind of has this whole thing planned out that, hey, we're actually going to load up in a vehicle and we're going to drive all the way to Tennessee for the sole purpose of buying some lottery tickets and then going to play some golf. This little outing is Griffin's friend-only birthday party. But here's the thing. He never checked with mom and dad. And here's the truth about this situation in most families. It rarely ends without extreme attitude or some emotional reaction. As families, when we deal with this, right, uh, when we're dealing with a teenager who's over here making plans and they're not considering what mom and dad want and what mom and dad have going on, it usually ends with some type of severe attitude and emotional reaction. Hey, someone is disappointed, someone's mad, someone's frustrated. And James writes to this situation because as adults... We don't grow out of making plans without checking with our Father. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 4. I want to read a few verses starting in verse 13. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So James kind of puts things in perspective for us in verse 14. One of those statements, one of those truths that is sometimes harsh to hear. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. What is your life? Like that's, that's the question of the hour. How would you answer this this morning? Is your life centered around your job? Is that your life? Does everything revolve around what you have to do at work? Is it based on your wealth? How much, what's the bottom line? What's the balance in the, in, in the checking account? Is that what your life is all about? Do you answer this question, what is your life based on your health? Maybe you've gone through severe sickness and you've been healed, you've, been over, you've overcome that. Maybe health is your world. What is your life? Is it, is it about family? Is family everything to you? James answers his question. Your life is nothing but a mist. It appears for a short while and then it vanishes. <laughs> That's kind of hard to hear. 
What are you doing with the time? Is it about your plans? I mean, that's the question asked. Hey, I'm going to go to such and such a town and I'm going to work and I'm going to make money. This is the example that he gives. Are you going about life and are you just making plans and doing what you want? What is your life? If you knew how much time you did have on earth, would you do something different? Like if, if you knew, hey, I, I, have, I have this number of days left or I have this number of hours left, would you, would you do something differently? And, and I know that so far this morning there's a lot of rhetorical questions that it's trying to get you to think through some of these things. You know, it's interesting that as I started digging into this passage that the Bible tells us with an estimate of how much time we will have on earth. Did you know this? The Bible tells us, hey, hey, you're going to have about this much time. And it's, it's, a little more, it's a little more concrete than your life is nothing but a mist here today and then vanishes. The Bible tells us that on average we are going to live 70 to 80 years. Look at, verse, uh, look at Psalm 90 verse 10. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is, is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. <laughs> How are you feeling with this verse? Some of you are on borrowed time. I know some of you are listening to this like, Wait, I've surpassed 80. What, what's he talking about? Now, we all know that this is not a an exact measurement of what life is. Some, some will surpass this. Some, many, will come far short of this. But on average, the mist that appears for a short while is but 70 to 80 years. You know, when you're, when you're 12 years old, 80 is a long way off. It's, it's, it's an eternity. When you're 25... You, you can wrap your mind around it, but you're not thinking about it. It's, it's still a ways out there. You're 40, you realize, oh man, I'm middle-aged. I'm, I'm halfway there. And then when you're 50, you realize just how close you really are to what could be the end. And so James is challenging the Christians who are full of themselves who have gone on to live life without considering what God wants. He's challenging us and he says, what are you doing with your time? Are you making plans about life based on your own desires? Or as James alludes, are you living your life by including God into the decisions you make about the day to day? Are you including God in, in the, the big picture plans of your life and your family? Are you including God in the day-to-day in -day plans? James says in verse 15, he goes, what you ought to say instead of I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that without, and leaving God out of it, what he says we should say is if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills. So now we're talking about my life should be centered and structured around the will 
of the Lord. James is teaching his readers that, that all we need to be focusing on the day-to-day -day is what the Lord wants. How does the Lord want me to handle my morning routine? How does the Lord want me to handle my work environment? How does the Lord want me to handle my free time? We, we need to be focusing on the day-to-day -day in terms of what does the Lord want? You know, Paul talks about this too. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. Verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. He writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Hey, some of y'all are walking around unwise right now. You're making foolish decisions. Not as unwise, but as wise. And then verse 16, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul is telling these believers who, by the way, are living in a city with historical political turmoil. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 he's writing to believers who, who had to deal with politics and, and, and God clashing together for, for, for decades. They had to, 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 to live in this. And he warns them, be careful how you walk through the day-to-day -day life. Be careful how you go through your day. And he says that you need to make the best use of your time. And, and, and that's the same message that James is saying essentially in, in this, do what the Lord wills. And Moses just told us just a minute ago that on average we only have 70 to 80 years of time. 70 to 80 years. Are you making the best use of your time? I talk about the intentionality of Jesus all the time. I talk about him often. As a matter of fact, our leadership team is uh, meeting the day that I'm recording this. And uh, I'm going to look at a couple of passages in a devotion to highlight and to pinpoint how Jesus lived in, intentionally. And Jesus took three years of ministry. And because he made the best use of time, he changed the world. And I get it, he's Jesus and the supernatural and his sovereignty. I, I, get, I get all of that. But he took three years and he showed us what you can do with three years if you are intentional by investing in somebody else. He made the best use of time by investing in other people. And so this morning, as we wrestle with this thought of, am I making the best use of time? I want to close with a passage from Jesus. And before I read it, I want to challenge you to seek God this week, or maybe it takes you two weeks. Seek God in what Jesus is challenging us with in this passage. And then when you and the Holy Spirit wrestle through this, you'll make the best use of time for sure. I, I know that the week I'm preaching this, there, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of worry right now with people. 
There's a lot of concern about, about your family and your family's future. Am I wasting? Am I using my time wisely as I think through things that are really out of my control? So I want to challenge you as we read this and close with this. How do you do this? Because when you do what Jesus asked us to do, you'll be making the best use of your time. Jesus is preaching its Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. I've been praying that this brings some of you peace this morning. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Church. I can get into this and make this about the events of this past week. I just want to tell you that we cannot make the kingdom part of our life. This leads to worry. This leads to worry and worry. We worry because the plans we make, the situations that we put us in, and the outcomes that we want don't happen, and we worry. Because things are out of our control. We can only do our part. And many of us, myself included, are guilty of trying to fit God's life in the kingdom into my life. And Jesus' message to us is plain, it's simple. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. We must be devoted to seeking the kingdom of God first. And our needs will be taken care of. Until next week, see ya.